All right. Uh, we've been going through foundational type uh, studies over the past couple of months. We're going to end here probably next next week. Um, if you could turn it up just a little bit more. <clears throat> Sorry, my voice is kind of. But the last this last week, uh, uh, last Sunday, we we started uh, knowing and doing the will of God. I think this is one of the most important topics as Christians because I think we're all searching as human beings, what am I here for? What am I supposed to be doing? Now that I'm a Christian, how do I hear from God? What am I? What does he want me to do? And as I expressed last week, it's in this relationship of, of, of being with the Lord and, and hearing and, and doing that we, we find meaning and purpose of what we were actually created for. I am made differently than you. And you from each other. You, you each have unique giftings and callings that God has placed upon your life that only you can fulfill. I believe that wholeheartedly. That's, that's the reason why each of you have a different fingerprint. At the same time, I guess in our fallen nature, that can be a curse because somehow we think that as individuals we can accomplish this. Somehow we think that apart from anyone else, I can do it. And what God says is, no, apart from me, you can do nothing. I have actually created you for a purpose, and it isn't your purpose that I want you to fulfill. I want you to fulfill my purpose. And our flesh says what? Yuck. God, you created me, and this universe spins around me so that you can do what I want you to do and answer my prayers so that life as I see it can happen and unfold in a glorious plan that I have for me and those I love around me. Anyone relate? How's that working for you? And as we talked about in our, it's great. Yeah, some of you are like, it's awesome. Gambled there. Um, you know, some of us, uh, some of us are stuck in our walk with the Lord and we're frustrated and we don't know why. And I've been there. And when that happens, I, you know, God, why aren't you answering my prayer? And as we talked about in the prayer series a couple weeks ago, um, you know, the purpose of prayer, and, and I really didn't hit this too hard this time around, but uh, the purpose of prayer is to accomplish his will. And the cool thing about prayer is that when we are abiding in him, God says to abide, right? That means to hang out, to live with, that abode, that house idea. You live with him, and as we live with him, his ideas start to become our ideas, and then he says, go ahead and ask whatever you want. And I'm going to do it for you because it glorifies my Father in heaven, showing that you are my disciples, right? John 15. Abide in the vine, and you're going to bear fruit. And we express that when we are in that relationship and we start to ask things, God starts to do things. And notice whose will is being accomplished. God's. Now, I expressed with you, I, I, I uh, explained to you before that, that that kind of grates against our flesh. I don't want your will to be accomplished, God. I want my will to be accomplished. Does that mean that you're not going to allow me to do whatever, all these other fun things that I like to do? That, that's not necessarily true. But it might be that God says those things have to die. He's Lord, right? I, I shared with you before, you know, God allowed me to serve. He taught me to serve. He brought me a person on the worship team who, uh, you know, Doug Shook, I love the man, who shaped surfboards. I was sitting at the beach and I was just going, God, I'd really love to learn how to surf. 
be awesome. I've never had that desire before. I just had it in my heart. Then worship team had this conversation, realized, opened up my eyes, there's a guy who surfs, makes surfboards. We had a, had a relationship. He, he, made a, he, he built a board for me. We were great brothers in Christ. Taught me to surf in El Nino. Yes, I got slammed around. It was really fun. But that was an answer to prayer. God loves you. He knows you, and he wants you to experience. I wasn't out there going, oh, look at me. I was going, God, this is so cool. Thanks for answering these prayers. This is fun. Oh, glory to you. You know, it was great. So don't think that life is going to be, you know, dead and dull. Your flesh will die as we, as we learn to follow Christ. Jesus wasn't out there surfing very much. You know, he had a specific call. But each of us has a specific call. Mothers in this room calling to raise godly children, perhaps working a job, fathers to take care of your families and to provide that spiritual covering over your family. These are hard issues, aren't they? They're very difficult to accomplish. And boy, the enemy wants to get in there and throw a wrench. And it's when we start living for ourselves, when I start living for me, that my walk becomes mundane, it becomes religious. And I start asking God all these things, and why aren't you answering, Lord? And James chapter 4 says you ask it because you ask amiss that you might spend it on yourself. You might fulfill your own evil desires. And so it's the same kind of top, same kind of situation with knowing and doing the will of God. We have to be rooted in a relationship with him. And as we are in that relationship, he begins to speak what we're going what, what to do, what we'll be about. And so I think this, uh, this outline is, is pretty good. Seven topics. Uh, again, Henry Blackaby. Again, just any time I, I put out someone's name, you've got to go study for yourself. Be a Berean, right? Go be a Berean. So... But I, I think these uh, these seven topics that he had in this one chapter of his book really were helpful to me, and just seeing the bird's eye view of uh, within the context of experiencing God, but just knowing His will. And the first thing we talked about last week was God is at work around you. Did you know God is at work around you? And I and I share that while I was in in uh, born in San Marcos, California, and. Grew up and married my wife, moved to Escondido, California, one mile away. God had a plan and was working out things right here in Walla Walla. I had no concept of it. God was at work, just as God is at work down there, and you have no concept of what's going on, Some most of you. You know what I'm saying? God is at work around you. As we open up to Exodus chapter 3, It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from the burning bush. We're going to, if you read back in chapter 2, God heard the cries of his people. They were, in, they were in bondage for 400 years, and God had a plan. He had a desire to answer that prayer and to pull them out of bondage. God was at work. He was hearing his people's cry. He was going to rescue them. That was his plan. His plan was not to make Moses a better shepherd of sheep. His plan was to invite Moses into the plan of God. 
And this is what Moses was created for. This was mo- what Moses was designed for. This is what all had happened in his life up to this point had shaped him to be. His failures and everything had pointed him to the grace of God in his life. It's awesome. And so God is always at work around you. And the second thing, God pursues a continuing loving relationship with you uh, that is real and personal. God is pursuing you. It says here in, in chapter 3, it says, Moses came upon the mountain of God. He came to the mountain of God, and there an angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw uh, that through the bush, though the bush was not on fire, it, uh, it was on fire, did not burn up. And so Moses thought, I'm going to go over and see this strange sight, why the bush is not burning up. There was something that attracted Moses to God. God uses different things in our lives to draw us to him. It might be a person. It might, it might be music. It might be a, you know, some situation in your life, a relative. God uses different people to attract us to him. For, uh, for Moses, he was a shepherd. There's not much to attract anything out there in the middle of the desert. So a, a bush that does not go out was pretty attractive. It was like, wow, what in the world is going on there? I'm going to go check what that is. There's nothing else to check out. And lo and behold, he met God. God pursues a relationship with you. Did you know apart from God, you are lost? Apart from God, you will continue to go the way you've always been? It says in in Isaiah 53, verse 6, we all, like sheep, have gone astray. God pursues you. He calls you out. He says, follow me. How he loves you. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from, from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and God called out his name. Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you're standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. God, when, we, when he introduces himself to us, he begins to reveal himself to us. That is the purpose of a relationship with him. He's going to teach you about who he is, his holiness, his relationship to you, your relationship to him. And as this happens, who we truly are begins to shine. And I don't know about you, but that's a scary thing in front of a holy God. Thanks be to Jesus Christ, who paid the sacrifice for my sin, took that coal from the altar and put it upon my tongue and cleansed me like an Isaiah, all these pictures and shadows of Jesus Christ. God desires to seek you out because you were lost, and he loves you. He desires to seek you out because he wants you to have life and meaning and purpose. And he seeks you out and he pulls you out and draws you to himself, reveals himself to you that he might cleanse you and use you for his glory. That's grace. That is awesome. So Moses experienced this. And so that's our point too. God pursues a continuing loving relationship with you. God is pursuing you right now, today. He is actively pursuing you in your life. He loves you. Might not like all the things you're doing. What parent does? Amen? 
but loves you. God invites you, number three, to become involved with him in his work. As we're hanging out with the Lord, as we are abiding in Christ, as his word is in us, as his ideas, as he influences us, as our hearts begin to change and soften and become filled with who he is and his desires, the things that excite him begin to excite me, and I start to see the world the way that he sees the world. I can't help it being around him. I start looking at people differently. Instead of being defensive, I start realizing the brokenness in my own life and the weaknesses in my own life, and I start to become slower to judge, quicker to pray. You know these things like Jesus. And the heart of God becomes your heart. And then he, he opens our eyes up to what he's doing, and he wants us to become a part of it. And this is exciting. As we, as we keep on reading, in verse 5 says, Don't come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you are, you are standing is holy ground. He said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. He starts to give him the plan. I have heard them crying because of, of their slave drivers, and I'm concerned about their suffering. God is concerned about our suffering. He's concerned about the slavery that's enslaving our society and our families and our, the people all around us. Just because you don't have chains does not mean you're not enslaved. There's a spiritual bondage in this, in this nation that's horrible, killing us. But he sees their concern. And so I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into a good and spacious land. What does God want to do? He wants to bring them out of bondage into a good land, a spacious land. He wants to bless them. He wants to take people out of bondage and give them good things and give, be, bless them. That's a good thing. That's not health. That's not a prosperity gospel. God wants to give us true spiritual freedom. We're talking about the spirit here, not toys and trinkets, right? He wants to give us Christ, in whom are all the riches. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land into the good and spacious land, a land flowing of milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, and the Parasites. We already went through this. And now... The cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them, and so now I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. I'm going to take you, Moses. This is your purpose. This is your meaning. You've been out here for 40 years, 10 o'clock. I'm taking you, and I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You've got to know a little bit about Moses' past to realize that where he fled from Egypt. He was... He was raised a Hebrew in slavery, right? His mother took him because the Pharaoh at that time had decided he was going to kill all the babies. So the mother finally took him when he was getting too loud and put him in a basket. And by God's providence, the basket went down and landed on the shore of where the, where the Pharaoh's daughter was. And she picked him up and took him and by himself. And he goes, hey, and she goes, hey, you know, someone's going to need to wet nurse this kid. And it just so happens... It was Moses' mom that did that. God is so good. 
And so he grows up 40 years in Egypt, learns all the things of the Egyptians. He was, uh, it was some ex- extra-biblical people believe that he was going to be the next pharaoh in command. Quite a possibility, being up there, being pharaoh's daughter, pharaoh's son. But Hebrews teaches us that he, and rather than being counted among the Egyptians, he wanted to be counted among his own people. When he saw the oppression happening to his own people, he realized he was Hebrew. He saw what was going on there. He hated it. His heart was breaking. But Moses tried to accomplish in his flesh what only God could do in his spirit. And Moses went out and he killed an Egyptian. That's not the way God was going to do it. He had the right man. Moses had the right idea. Wrong heart. Wrong timing. Killed the man. Next day, Hebrews come up. Do you think he, you know, he thought he buried him and everything was good? It wasn't. Two, you know, two other Hebrews come and go, hey, you know, what are you gonna? He saw two Hebrews fighting, and they goes up to him and said, hey, you know, stop it. He goes, who made you Pharaoh over us? You know, who made you king over us? Are you gonna kill us too? Like you killed? And he realized, well, I'm found out. And then he went and fled 40 years out of Egypt into the wilderness herding sheep, right? And God's going to go, I want you to go back there. I don't think so. But God invites you to become involved with his work. How does God speak to us? How How do we hear tangibly? How do you know, how does God talk to you? Well, he speaks through his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit speaks today to the church. How does he speak? Number one, through the word of God, through the Bible, his revealed word. The Holy Spirit will speak through the word. There'll be times, for example, when we are coming up here, we we need to know, God, have you called us to be here? Are you saying yes or no? Are, are we supposed to be here? And so Psalm 37, 4, Christine, what does it say? What was it? 37, 3, what does it say? Nice. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on my faithfulness. We needed to know. God, are you sending us here? What should we do? I want you to go do it. Dwell and trust. Feed on my faithfulness. He spoke through his word. Are you sure, Lord? So Christine and I are praying after, you know, everything had been rescinded, I think, and all and all we had big long story you can we're praying. And so you know, there had been a situation where the, basically we had gone through some trials and things are, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. But the elders had rescinded the offer for us to come up. We're sitting here in January of 2000, whatever it is, 2009, 10, and um, needing to hear from the Lord again. So we just get done praying. We walk out. I walk out of the bedroom. Uh, one of the Christian radio stations is playing. It breaks through. Hey! Verse of the day. Guess what verse it is? Again. Wow. I want you to go. I have not stopped this process. You're going. And God was doing things up here and doing amazing things. But he speaks through his word. Now, when God speaks through his word, it's important that we bounce that off other people in the body of Christ. Because sometimes that's how culture started. Did you know that? 
taking one verse out of the Bible out of context and just going crazy with it. So when God speaks to his word and you, and you believe that's the word from the Lord, bounce it off other brothers and sisters who are mature in the Lord, who aren't just going to react, but who are going to sit there and prayerfully go, hmm, is that the Lord or is that not? Because he's given within the body discernment. Amen? That's what we did. He speaks through his word. He speaks through the church. He speaks through you guys today. The Holy Spirit speaks through you. He's not speaking uh, the written word of God, but whatever he speaks should not be in contradiction to the already written word of God. Amen? There are times when we need to know how to do what we're supposed to do and when to do it, and I believe that the church is part of that process. God will speak through you. Don't doubt it. He also, uh, he also speaks to circumstances. The story of Ruth. Remember the story of Ruth? Naomi, husbands die. They're in a foreign land. It got hard. They had to move back. And it just so happened when they moved back that Ruth came along upon the field belonging to Boaz. God works through circumstances in our lives. Pretty interesting. How many of you are having difficult circumstances in your life? Opportunity. God might be directing you. Now, circumstances are a double-edged sword because quite often God wants us to go forward in something when it seems like it's impossible. It's not just a, you know, point A, point B, point C. You know, there's a lot of faith involved here. God speaks in many different ways. The main ways, I would say, he also speaks to donkeys, you know, <laughs> animals, you know. <laughs> Amen, right here. <laughs> So, you know what I'm saying? God speaks in many different ways, right? But that's important. God, God speaks by his Holy Spirit, through Bible, through prayer. As we pray together, God will press something upon your heart. Circumstances, the church, that his purposes and his ways may be revealed. And this is number six, uh, number five. God's invitation for you to work with him always leads you to a crisis of belief that requires faith and action. God's plan is pretty awesome. It's pretty big, and it's not set up so that you can accomplish it so that you can get the glory. I think there's a reason why I have pain in my body that riddles me, and I am constantly weak. Now, you can't tell, but, I mean, ask people I live with. I am hurting all the time. That God might be strong in and through me. That God might be strong in and through me. And you as well. There are weaknesses, there are circumstances you are looking at going, this is a Goliath. I cannot accomplish this. I cannot do this. God just might have put you there or allowed you to be there so that he can shine himself so strong in your life and use you. And other people will look at the circumstances you're in, look at what you've been through and go, how did you do that? And you'll go, I didn't. It was God who did it. That's pretty amazing stuff. We'll talk about that. But God brings you to a, a crisis of faith, look, a, a crisis of faith in, in, in a, a situation where you just are weak. Look at Moses. He, sees, he reveals his plan, and he tells them all about it. I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing me, verse 10 in chapter 3. So now go, I'm sending you. To bring you to my people. It's not just a matter of knowing God's will. It's a matter of doing it. How many of you know what God wants you to do? How many of you refuse to do it? 
How many of us refuse to do it? Amen? But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? I am no one. I'm a shepherd boy. Exactly. We are nothing, right? And this is one you should, I would say, tattoo to your forehead, whatever it is you need to do to get this in your heart and on your, on your mind. Verse 12, and God said, I will be with you. That's number one response. When God calls you to do something, guess what? I will be with you. Know that. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. I want you to know this, Moses. When you have brought up the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. When it's all said and done, the very end thing, when I've done what I've told you you will do, you will stand in this place and you will worship me with these people. That's going to be my sign to you. But I'm not giving it to you now. That's going to be then. And you will know at that time. You see, there's a whole lot of faith involved. There's a whole lot of this is what it's going to look like at the end. But I'm not telling you exactly you know, there's a lot of walking and faith and stepping. Now, God is really gracious with Moses. Check this out. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, hey, what's his name? And then I, what shall I tell them? You know, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. Thanks, God. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am who I am. I am has sent you, right? And God, verse 15, said to Moses, Say to Israelites, the Lord God, the God of your fathers of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name which I am able to remember from generation to generation. Go, assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you and have seen what has has been done to you in Egypt, and I have promised to bring you up uh, out of your misery of Egypt into a land of Canaan, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Pezzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. The elders of Israel will listen to you. They're going to listen to you. Go speak. Do what I say. This is what I'm calling you to do, Moses. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt. This gets worse, Moses. I just want you to know. The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. This is what you're supposed to say to the king of Egypt. The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand com uh, compels him. I'm telling you to go into adverse circumstances. I already know he's not going to listen to you, so know that I know that I know. Right? Not going to listen to you until a mighty, unless a mighty hand compels him. So I'm going to stretch out my hand, the mighty hand, and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. And after that, he will let you go. And I will make the Egyptians favor, favorably disposed towards his people so that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. You're going to come out with riches. And every woman is to ask her neighbor and a woman living in her house for artifacts of silver and gold and for clothing, which you will put on your sons and daughters, and you will plunder the Egyptians. I'm not only going to go rescue them. I'm going to rescue them in style. They're going to come out with a bunch of stuff. I'm going to just weigh them down with blessing. Wow. That's awesome. So Moses answered, awesome, God, let's do it in, verse, in chapter 4, verse 1. I hear you plan. You've actually given me, like, 
bullet points on this. It's awesome. I know exactly what you're doing, what they're going to say, what I'm going to do. I've got your plan, Lord. Let's roll. Moses answered, what if they don't believe me or listen to me? There's a lot of me in here, isn't there? To me and say, the Lord did not appear to you. Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A Snickers bar. No, good thing it wasn't a Snickers bar. No, it was a staff, right? And he replied, and the Lord said, throw it on the ground. And the whole Charlton Eskin thing happens, right? And he turns into a snake. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And so Moses reached it out and he took it and shook it and it turned back into a staff. Verse 5, this said the Lord is so that they may believe that the Lord, yeah, you have power, I'm with you. I wanted to give you a sign, right? God has been with you. Then verse, verse 6, it says, the Lord said to him, put your hand inside your cloak. And so Moses put his hand inside his cloak and he took it out. It was leprous like snow. Thanks, Lord. You know, gosh, man, this is scary stuff that's happening. Got snakes and leprosy. Now put it back in your cloak. And he said, So Moses put his hand back into his cloak and we took it out. It was restored like the flesh. Right, right. The rest of his flesh. So pretty cool tricks God's given him, right? Signs for the Egyptians. Keeps on going. Then the Lord said, If they don't believe you or pay attention to you, the first miracle, miraculous signs, and he keeps on going and says, Do the second. And then if that doesn't happen, I want you to go down to the water, and I want you to turn to blood. And then if that doesn't happen, he goes through all these things. And then we start, it's, it's as if this whole story is, Moses starts out and saying, well, what if they don't listen? What if they don't, well, what if they don't? And now it starts to hone into the real issue of Moses. And I think this is the real issue of us all. Verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servants. I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. I'm not really confident in my ability to communicate this grand plan, Lord. I'm going to mess it up. The Lord said, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, and I'm going to help you speak and I will teach you what to say when you struggle with that when God tells you to do something you're just like I am my I'm not good at this I will tell you what to say and I will teach you what to say I'm gonna help you I'm gonna teach you I'm gonna walk alongside you he's our shepherd he loves you He's gentle. He's kind. He's going to take care of you. He's going to give you the ability to do it. He'll teach you what you need to know to do what he asks you to do. He will empower you. You see, it's not up to you. It's not up to me. All we need to do is start walking and doing what he says to do. But Moses said, oh, Lord, please someone send someone else to do it. How many of you are right there, verse 13? Okay, then you can close your Bibles and forget the rest of the story of what God wants to do through you to accomplish his plan. Moses came to a crisis of faith. God is asking you to do things that are beyond you so that he may empower you to do it. You know, quite often, and I really want to focus on this, and 
I think there's a place for our strengths, you know, and all this type of stuff, strengths testing and all that good stuff. But the scriptures say in our weakness, he is made strong. In our weakness, he is made strong. You know, so when I look at these things and I go, I'm great at this and this and this, it gives so much, I don't know, it's like, it's like I need training wheels because I trust in the flesh too darn easily. And when I start trusting in my ability to communicate to you guys or you guys start trusting in your ability to do something, it doesn't leave room for God. Let him be strong in your weakness. Let him speak through you, O oh foolish of grammar. You know, inability, uneloquent people of God. Let God be strong through you. He'll give you the words to say. Amen. He'll help you. He'll teach you. This crisis of faith, what's your crisis? Lord, I am emotionally shot. I can't do one more day. Lord, I am spiritually at my end. I don't know if I even trust you anymore, God. You're calling me to do things that are just beyond me, and I don't have the will. I think a lot of us are there, and we're tired. Guess what? If you try to accomplish what God sends you to do in your own strength, you're going to go running to the wilderness. God will seek you out. He wants to lift you back up, but he wants to accomplish what he asked you to do in, in his power, not in yours. And you have to learn how to do that and continue to abide in that. And so closing up, number six, you must make major adjustments in your life to join God in what he's doing. You have to change. You have to allow God to change you. When we were coming up here, there had to come to a place in our hearts when we just died. And we said, we're going to trust you no matter what. And we just surrendered. Crisis of faith in our hearts, in our lives, leaving things. Moses had to leave his shepherding business. He had to tell his father-in-law, I wasn't no long, I'm no longer going to do that. I'm going to move your family, my, your family, where your, your daughter and all your grandkids. I'm taking them with me. And we're going to Egypt where we're going to die. He had to make adjustments in his life. He had to trust God for his finances. He had to trust God for his health. He had to trust God. Trust God. What God is asking you to do, church, requires faith. It's not going to be handed to you. You step into the river and it parts. God gets the glory. You must make major adjustments in your life. What are those adjustments? What is he asking you to do? It might hurt. It might not be fun. It might feel a whole lot like the cross. It's okay, because there's life. There's life through the cross. And this is number seven. I want to finish with this. You come to know God by experiencing, by experience. You come to know God by experience as you obey him and as he accomplishes his work through you. How do you know your wife? How do you know your husband? How do you know your kids? It's through relationship. How you act towards one another, what you do. With God, it's the same way. The more that we listen, we trust and obey, trust and obey, trust and obey, the more that God reveals of himself to us, the more that he asks us to do for him, the more that we get to experience of him, the more that he asks us to do and to trust. You know what I'm saying? The disciples, the first thing he asks them to do, follow me. That's all I ask you to do, follow me. 
and I will make you fishers of men. But right now you've got to do number one. Follow me. Follow Jesus. And when you fall down in this relationship, and you will, and we're closing in, look, I'm going to be done two minutes early. Okay? Seems like a long time, doesn't it? When you fall down in this relationship, when you fail, flip over to the end of John and read what Jesus said to Peter. What did he say to him? The very first thing he said to him. Yeah, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Right? And then after that, he goes, follow me. What's the first thing he told Peter? And he saw him on the shore. Follow me. Some of you have fallen down and are, get back and follow Jesus. Reprioritize your life around him and you will have life again. Because I tell you, what will bring death to your bones is trying to follow Christ without his spirit. Trying to do this in your flesh, and it is horrible and it is miserable, and you will hate it. And you'll become a, just a grumpy Christian. Yuck. I'm like that sometimes. A lot of times. I hate it. No more grumpy Christians. We want to be filled with God's love and spirit, empowered by his power, doing what he asks us to do, step by step, day by day. Amen? What is God asking you to do today? I don't know. What is he asking you to do today? Enjoy. Figure it out. Have fun with him. He's calling you to something big, and guess what? It's probably not your plan. So number one, make that adjustment. Go, okay, my plan is, I'm going to, God, is this really what you want me to do with my life? Is this really what you want me to do with my kids? Is this really what you want me to do with my time? Is this really what you want me to do with my money? Or is there something else? And that scares us because we built our whole lives upon it, right? Whoa, the rich man said, do I have to give up all this stuff? It's more important to me. Yes, you do, Jesus said. So love you all praying for you, pray for me as I struggle with this stuff of knowing and doing the will of God. Amen? Easy to talk about it, hard to do it. Each of us, praying for one another, lifting each other up, get real. Going, hey, I'm struggling with this. I don't like my relationship with the Lord. It's not good. Will you pray for me? So just praying for one another, getting real in these situations. Amen? Let them just breathe life back into you. Let them lift you up and empower you. Let's pray. Father, we, we lift up our church, this gathering of my, my brothers and sisters. Lord, we're all your, your kids, your sheep. You are the good shepherd. Lord, will you lead us out of the wilderness and just into a green pasture and restore our souls? Lord, for those who have been suffering it with physical pain, God, I know your son suffered physically, Lord. We ask, Lord, that you would touch them in a special way, Lord, that you'd speak to them in your word to give them hope. Those who are suffering emotionally, God, who have their, just their hearts are tormented day after day with maybe depression or just struggles with sadness or anger or whatever it is, God. Lord, will you meet them in the midst of that and lead them out of this bondage and captivity into your freedom? Lord, in, in our weakness, will you be strong? We are not perfect people, God. You are perfect. You are our king. You are our hope. Rescue us, Lord, that we might rescue others. Lead us 
can begin to that beautiful relationship, Lord, with you that's thriving. Turn this city upside down for your kingdom. May it go to the other most parts of the earth. In the name of Jesus, amen.